Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 25th episode of Season 2 of MHR Radio Podcast. With me is Kyle Montgomery. <laughs> I do not know why Kyle's crying. I don't even There's no reason for him to be crying. I'm um, sad, and I don't know why. I've blacked out the last three weeks of my life, and I'm just really sad, and I can't figure out why. <laughs> I, I remember... I remember winning against the Patriots. We killed the Patriots, baby. Yeah. I remember you being in New York. I remember we did a podcast from New York. What? I don't remember any of this. What? And that was after that. It was like the Hangover Part Four. It was like I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't remember a single thing since the AFC Championship game. I'm just overwhelmed with sadness and denial. (laughs) So, uh, great news. We have. For our 25th episode, we have Chris Harris on the podcast. So we Chris can... Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr. He's uh, joining us right after the break. He has... he should be in the Pro Bowl. It's ridiculous. And we didn't ask him about this because I didn't want to, like, crap on the Broncos too hard. But, man, how could the Broncos not have allowed him to be on the Pro Bowl ballot? They put Champ Bailey on the Pro Bowl ballot all season instead of Chris Harris. That guy is Pro Bowl bound in 2014, except, of course, for the fact that he'll be Super Bowl bound. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Chris Harris, so stoked that he got on the podcast finally. We wanted him all season. If you heard us interview Kayvon Webster, Champ Bailey, Dookie Nacho, we kind of did the whole round of the secondary. We wanted everyone. We got Chris Harris. Thrilled that he could join us two weeks after his ACL surgery. Uh, great little spot, and we're excited to share that with you. Yeah, Got some good questions in there, so stick around. Well, what we've been doing over the last, I guess, two weeks at, at MHR is uh, the, to be the general manager series we've gotten some some pretty cool stuff out of it so far we've, we've covered defensive ends we've covered defensive tackles we've covered linebackers inside linebackers outside linebackers and cornerbacks and by the time you're listening to this we will be on safeties probably it will be a day uh, from safeties yep yeah. we, we break out safeties on friday and over the weekend and that means we start on the offense next week and we're going to hit it hard and heavy right away uh, with running back and wide receiver so big revelations thus far have been, I think the the general feeling is that the defensive line going into this season is is, is okay. It's, you know, there's a lot of people forgot about certain players who who are on the team. Oh, I disagree. Defensive end is the weakest <laughs> position on the on the team for sure in 2014 because Robert Ayers and Sean Phillips are not under contract. We don't have a starter under contract, Derek Wolf, but is he healthy? Can he play? Um, there's not a starter on contract, and there was room for improvement even among those starters. There wasn't a really huge pass rusher um, at defensive end. So that, to me, is the Broncos' greatest area of weakness, and that's where I'm hoping we come out with a pass rusher somewhere uh, in free agency or the draft. There's a lot of uh, question marks. You mentioned Derek Wolf, uh, Quintero Smith, who led the NCAA in, in sacks for about 10 weeks. In 2012, he's on the roster. He was on injured reserve the entire season. But he's unproven. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't like you know hang your hat on him yet. He has potential, likely, but not production. And likely Derek Wolf, you know, even if he comes back 100%, he's got to be down a little bit of strength possibly. Uh, yeah, Kevin Vickerson coming back. We don't know what's happening with Pot Rose quite yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not all gravy just yet. And John Phillips. I, I don't know. Would you say Sean Phillips outplayed his contract last year? Like, we're not going to get him for the same price this year. 
No, we're not going to get him for what, it was like less than two million, wasn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, he's he got played that. He's it was a one year show me deal. He showed us he's either going to sign with us on a three to four year deal or sign with someone else on a three to four year deal. He showed anyone. He showed versatility. He was a three four outside linebacker pretty much his whole career, and he showed that he can switch to four three linebacker end end. He did a pretty good job doing that. Do you see a position thus far on defense that's deserving of a first round pick? Like we probably should target this position in the first round. All of them? <laughs> no, I mean honestly, if you know me and you know my drafting philosophy, you know I'm all about best player available. Um, I think this is one year where the Broncos are so strong at one position, and that position being offensive tackle, that I actually would not take an offensive tackle if he was the best player available. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm so stubborn with that whole BPA mentality. But the Broncos have three starters all locked up with good deals right now. Um, I think Orlando Franklin's still got two years, right? Or is he is this yep. last year? Yeah, I no. think he's got two years. Ryan Clay's like five years. Chris Clark, we can re-sign him. The Broncos, you know, they don't need to spend a first-round pick on a tackle. Other than that, it's fair game, best player available. And that especially includes defense. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my my thinking is that the Broncos could solve a lot of defensive issues by getting just a really hardcore safety. And I don't know that that's coming from the draft. I think that might be coming through free agency. We haven't quite approached it yet with the be the GM series. But my, my thinking is that a lot of these problems could be solved with a safety like John Lynch or Steve Atwater, or, you know, not that those guys are, are readily available, but there are a lot available through free agency. There's Dante Whitner. What about a safety like Champ Bailey? <laughs> we actually asked um, Chris Harris about that. So I don't know. I mean, Champ Bailey is a sure tackler. He would be a great free safety. He would be a great free safety in coverage, and you could not get behind him. He would not pull Raheem more and let anyone get behind him. Um, you know, sorry, Raheem, we all wanted you to redeem yourself in the playoffs, but that didn't happen because of injury. The wait this year to redeem yourself. But Chan Bailey has the potential to be a great free safety. He's always been a sure tackler. He's great in coverage um, throughout his career. He's not superb one-on-one against number one wide receivers anymore, but as a safety he'll have a couple of steps advantage. He's bracketing guys over the top. Um, I, I see a lot of potential there. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see Champ Bailey playing for the amount of money that a lot uh, – you know, you, you have the armchair uh, you know, comment section where someone will say, oh, sign Champ Bailey for $1 million. Champ Bailey's not playing for a $1 million. Champ Bailey will probably get, I don't know, $4 million in the open market. That's exactly what I said. If, if he were to get cut right now, he would get – at, at lowest, $4 million, I think. I mean, he's coming off of a year where he was hurt. And just a year before, he was really good still. Mm-hmm. He's good a year ago. Yeah. So what if it's the injury? What if it's the injury more than age and he's still got it? How can we be sure that he's lost it? Um, he's, he was better than Charles Woodson his last year, and Charles Woodson got a, a, what, $3 million or something like that. Champ at the upper market, he's, he's going to be in demand. The Broncos need to try and restructure him. I, I think they're going to end up settling with some around five to six, really. I don't think they're yeah. going to save that much money. But they need to restructure champ. They can't pay him $10 million. Converting something into a signing bonus, something like that. I mean, one, his loyalty needs to be rewarded. And two, like he, he's going to get decent money. Like we're not signing him for $1 million. He's not like – he doesn't owe anything to Denver. He's, oh, yeah. He's, I, mean, I mean, that involves an extension. If you're going to convert it to a signing bonus, that means that you're signing into a new contract. It's the last year of his contract. If you turn that $10 million into – Five million salary and you know an eight million signing 
bonus over three years. He actually makes more this year and mm-hmm. less on the cap. And, you know, there are all sorts of tricks to that. And they get him for much less the next two years, knowing that he's going to convert to safety in the next three years, if not this year. As it stands right now, he is the second highest paid player on the Broncos. Peyton Manning, of course, being the, the most expensive player on the Broncos, and then Ryan Clady being the third. The motto being, the older you get, the more we'll pay you. <laughs> it's Unless you're a free agent for whatever reason. I don't – who – we've had this discussion, I think, the entire season, but it's become a lot clearer this week that, that Eric Decker's probably not coming back. You know, I think he's – I don't see it that way. He's just uh, – it's not anything against the Broncos. He just knows that the Broncos aren't, go, aren't going to pay him what he go, he'll get on the open market. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Broncos come close, he might stay. Honestly, he's really good friends with Peyton Manning. Um, he likes Denver. His wife likes Denver from all reports. Um, but he's got a lot on his mind right now. You know, it's kind of like there's a, there's a baby coming any second, and – He's going to get more money than he's ever had or dreamed of in his life all in the next, you know, two weeks. And we're, we're, we're bugging him with questions about, will you give Denver a hometown discount? He's like, geez, man, my, my wife's about to pop right here. Come on. <laughs> he's got stuff on his mind. You look at the, you look at the uh, available wide receivers in free agency, and I don't know that Eric Decker's the best amongst them, but you have he is. James Jones. You have um, Riley Cooper. You know, there's, there's a lot of Decker. young talent. Derek Decker. Um, there's a fourth one that I don't remember. Is it Anquan Bolden? No. Oh, he's just being resigned. He's, he's going to get his deal negotiated. There's one more that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. I don't know. There's Decker's the best, in my opinion. Decker's the best in the market. The Broncos aren't going to find anyone better than Decker. But um, it's not a strong need. It, it's, I don't know. It, it's tough. I think re-signing Demarius Thomas right now is actually a higher priority. I would applaud the Broncos and give them a standing ovation if they got a Demarius Thomas deal done now, because it'll save them an extra $10 million, uh, if he has another year like he did this year over the course of his contract. Recent history points to the fact that the Broncos probably do have a deal on the table for him. They had a deal on the table for Ryan Clady. Ryan Clady just turned it down and took the risk of playing out the last year of his contract, and it paid off for him. He had a, uh, I think it was a five-year, $50 million deal in place um, which he, or maybe it was 11, it was five years, 55 million, something like that. Um, that Cliff reported from the, from the Denver Post. Ryan Clay said no. He ended up making just about the same amount of money and then playing his first season predominantly on injured reserve. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hoping that Demarius Thomas avoids. Uh, yeah. And Clay's like one of my favorite guys. This year just sucked. I really wish he would have. Uh, I, was, I was stoked that they signed him, I was stoked that they locked him up. And then he goes down, and Chris Clark plays just as well. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Um, Zane Beatles coming back. What do you think? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think the Broncos are going to give him an offer like he deserves. Let's go back to Decker for one second. The sure. Broncos do reportedly have a deal that says, you know, give us your best offer that you're receiving, and we'll we'll talk about matching it. Well, so it's not as if the Broncos yeah. are like shooing him out the door. That's called the franchise tag. I mean, they're, they're not going to do that, though. The franchise tag, I mean, the franchise tag is going to pay him the average of the top five salaries, though. So he's not going to get Calvin Johnson money. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think that might be the kind of the offer for, for everybody. There's some there's some hardcore guys with free agency. No Sean Moreno, no one's trying to bring him back, I don't think. 
um, Eric Decker, Dane Beatles, Sean Phillips, uh, Wesley Woodyard, uh, Mike Adams. It's a lot Andre of guys. Caldwell. And, and it's even worse next year. I mean, next year when you have Wes Welker and Demarius Thomas both leaving, um, you're one year left with Peyton Manning. Not sure what his plan's going to be. Or, or would that, no, it's be year three. You'd still have two years left. But it's, yeah, but it's just a it's, a it's a it's a scary couple of years for Broncos capped czars. You know, they got the guys who watch this cap. They're like, whoa, everybody's leaving in the next two years. Everybody, it's it's, it's gone. So the Broncos got to lock someone up. Terrence Knight will be gone. The Broncos have to make some moves toward the long term. They're going to get younger. I think this draft is going to be critical. They had a couple of drafts where they didn't have huge impact players. I think this is the deepest draft in 10 years, according to Mike Mayock. I think a lot of general managers have said similar things. This is going to be a very crucial draft for the Broncos to survive all the exiting free agents they're going to experience over the next two years. Yeah, and if you look at what this regime has done in, in uh, the draft, you look at the 2011 draft, there's two players on the 2011 draft board who aren't, are, who aren't with the team, and everyone else on that draft board has started at least you know a few games here and there. Virgil Green might be the one exception to that, but Virgil Green is of starter quality, just not necessarily what's deserving in that package. Nate Irving started at middle linebacker four games in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Danny Trevathan, uh, Derek Wolf. Ronnie Hillman might be questionable as a starter, but he was starting last in 2012. Yeah, but these guys aren't studs, you know what I mean? They haven't. They're not. No, they're not studs. But I'm saying, you look at the. I think I I pulled the statistic. This is the 25 draft picks. Like 19 of them have started, and two of them are quarterbacks that remain on the roster. It's like it's a high statistic, and, and it, I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. But you're right. This, this draft, you know, they're, they're looking to get two, three starters out of it, and you've got to consider that when you look at free agency and say, hey, the Broncos currently have four cornerbacks signed. One of them is Champ Bailey at $10 million, and Champ Bailey's not coming back at $10 million. Like, the Broncos haven't drafted a Demarius Thomas type, a Ryan Clady type, a Von Miller type, a Julius Thomas type in the last two drafts. These guys are pro bowlers, superstars. That, they, need to, they need to get lucky. They need to find one of those guys, and that's why I say it's a critical draft. You don't automatically draft a pro bowler 31st overall. I mean, they would be a top 10 pick if it was automatic. So this is going to be a, a big task for the newly titled general manager of the Denver Broncos, John Elway. Yeah. And you look at the – like Julius Thomas is an excellent case. Julius Thomas, first two seasons are on IR basically. Go back to a guy like Quentin Carter. Quentin Carter was playing top-level football before he got injured. You know, he was, he was, yeah, that playoff game. I, I, I don't hang my hat on that the way everybody else does. Jeez. <laughs> but no, he he was starting as a rookie. He was starting over Raheem Moore uh, in the regular season. He's been hurt the last two seasons. I felt like last year they kind of just put him on IR, like they redshirted him. I don't know that he was terribly injured to the point where he couldn't play. Yeah, I think they did that with a couple of people. I think they did that with Lawrence McCree, McCray, um, rookie undrafted linebacker out of Miami. Yeah, Quintari Smith maybe. Quintari Smith came injured, though. He he was able to participate in the combine. Go ahead, Kyle. (laughs) No, no, but I was just going to say I'm I'm interested in wrapping up some of the free agent talk. I I think we need to 
um, look inward, Ian. We need, we need to we need we need to medicate or you know meditate one of the two and figure out what happened over that two week blur and maybe try and talk it out. I think I think we <laughs> owe it to ourselves. And we owe it to our listeners to talk a little Super Bowl. But first, we'll take a break. Second, we'll have Chris Harris join us. I'm very excited to deliver the interview to you guys. And then we'll wrap up with some talk about uh, Super Bowl 48. <laughs> Rivers going left, and it's intercepted by Chris Harris, who's all the way home. What a comeback for the Broncos. Flacco. Throwing. Intercepted on the far side of the field. Chris Harris down the sideline. All right, NHR Radio Podcast listeners, we are thrilled to be joined by Denver Broncos cornerback Chris Harris Jr., number 25 of the Denver Broncos, joining us on episode number 25 of the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for coming on on the program. Uh, My first question has to be how you're feeling, how the ACL recovery is going, and how your mindset is right now. Uh, I mean, everybody uh, uh, reacts different. I mean, I'm down there and training at the Andrews Institute, and there's a guy that tore his ACL, I mean, safety from Alabama, and, uh, I mean, he's already running, doing drills and stuff at three months. So, uh, depending on who you are, I mean, you can recover pretty fast. So, I think I should be around three months. I mean, I think I should be able to be able to do a couple of drills. Where have you done your last few off-seasons? Are you, are you doing them in, in Colorado? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I go to Dallas and train with a guy named uh, Ronnie Braxton. I feel like he's one of the top trainers um, in the country. Uh, I go I go there uh, March, the month of March, and I also go there from uh, the end of June to up in uh, a week before training camp. So uh, I'm definitely going back this summer. And you end up, when you're with those, like, those type of things, you're ending up with players from other teams usually, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's guys from the Chargers, uh, Raiders, Steelers, uh, I mean, guys from everywhere, Texans, uh, we, that, um, that, I mean, I was the first one to start training with them, and then now he's, uh, he has so much players now. Well, yeah, they figured something's working for you. we got to get with that guy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now I'm kind of jealous, man. He got a whole bunch of new workouts. I'm doing kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and you are you are semi newly married, right? Yeah, I'm. I mean, we're going on two years. Yeah, and um, so basically, your entire professional, almost your your entire professional career, you've been a married man. Yeah, yeah, I've been married. Yeah. So, how does she feel about Denver? She. Have you, you guys just got into like hockey. You went and saw your your first yeah. hockey game like within the last year, right? Well, I can hear you. I can hear that last question. Oh, I was asking about hockey. You just recently saw yeah. your first hockey game within the last year, right? I no, I still haven't been able to go to a hockey game. <laughs> you guys go to the yeah, Nuggets. Uh, I, go to all, I go to a lot of Nuggets. I could definitely go to a lot of Nuggets. Yeah. We have to get Chris Harris to an Avalanche game. That'll be our goal. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely. I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to go for so long. I just, I don't know, man. It's just something. I, I just haven't really like gone after the tickets like that. From being an undrafted player to being tendered in the first or second round, what does that mean to you personally? 
I couldn't hear you. I think something I'm on. Uh, I'm disconnected. We lost you for a second, Kyle. Just wanted to yeah. start over from the very, from that topic question. Oh yeah, what I was asking is, uh, according to the Denver Post, the Broncos are going, are expecting to tender you in the first round tender or a second round tender as a restricted free agent. Uh, you're an undrafted player. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Does that have some personal meaning to you? I mean, definitely. I mean, my goal is to, uh, I mean, definitely be the best. And uh, for my past three years, I've been ranking at the top at my, at my position, and uh, especially the past two years, uh, being in the top five, top ten uh, uh, level. So, I mean, that's something that um, I, I want to continue to be consistent, and I feel like my production is, I mean, that's first-round production. So, um, I'm I kind of, I mean, that was kind of my goal at the beginning of the season to be able to get a first round. Is it your goal, would you say, this offseason to emerge as the unquestioned number one cornerback for the Broncos? There's kind of an opening there. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I mean, we've seen this year, I mean, if you really watch football, you, uh, you follow us closely. I mean, I'm uh, I'm mostly on, on the main receiver. Um, I have a, they give me the most responsibility and um, I'm playing the full game. I'm not coming out 20 plays or any plays at all. I'm playing the full game. So, uh, I, I mean, I definitely, uh, if I did something didn't get hurt, I mean, I, I think people would know I'm the one corner. What, with, um, with the Super Bowl, there was, you know, several large pieces missing from the Broncos defense, you being the main one, but Bob Miller being out, um, Kevin Pickerson, and – what is it? How do you deal with that as a player? Like this is this is kind of probably what you've been dreaming yeah. your whole life for, and now you're having to sit it out. I mean, I, I mean, it was definitely hard, and uh, and not just being not being there with the players and the guys, and and uh, and just uh, not being able to just play. And I mean, it definitely is hard when you lose me, Vic, Raheem. Uh, uh, Derek Wolf, and then uh, also, um, Bond. yeah, I think that's it. Hey, Bond, Bond, yeah, yeah. Bond. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I mean, it's for, for us to make it that far and to uh, to really get to that point and to play like that, I mean, it's definitely uh, discouraging. But uh, we know that we can make it back there and, uh, as long as we keep uh, some of our core guys, and I think we're able to get back there. What was your favorite part? of this 2013 season? Favorite part of the season? Uh, I would say uh, definitely uh, finally uh, uh, knocking off uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of a lot of us have, we've never beat Tom Brady since we've been here, so to be able to do that, I think that was pretty cool. Now, um, just yesterday, you posted a video of um, Dominique Rogers camardi Dancing on your Instagram page. <laughs> is that a is that a sign? Is that a sign that you're both likely to return as Broncos next season? That you're hanging out still? Oh, I mean, I, I hope so, man. It's a, you never know what DRC or what he's gonna choose or anything. I mean, I mean, he's a different boy. So, uh, I mean, I hope he comes back. Uh, I mean, well, I, I think. Well, I mean, you got me and DRC. I mean, you got two of the top corners in the league right there. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, I would definitely love playing with DRC. Plus Champ Bailey, a future Hall of Famer. What's it like yeah. uh, working with Champ every day? 
Oh man, that's awesome, man. Uh, me and Tim, uh, this relationship uh, that I've uh, been able to uh, have uh, these past three years has been great. Uh, I mean, Tim stays right by my house, so I'm always able to uh, run over there anytime, man. So I'm just always uh, thankful for his, uh, him just being a great role model for me. So. Um, just after your injury, you were on your show on, on, on the radio here locally in Denver, and you were kind of adamant and, and vouching for Tony Carter, and Tony right. Carter ended up being the guy. Locally now, with the contract situation, the possible contract situation with Champ Bailey, there's a lot of people talking about Champ Bailey moving over to safety. Can you imagine any circumstances in which that happened? Uh, which Champ moving to safety? Is that yeah. the question? Yeah. Um, uh, it's kind of like up in the air. I think, uh, I mean, I can definitely see Champ. I definitely know that Champ would play safety. Um, uh, I think, I also think that he could be able, he could be able to play next. So I think, um, uh, if, if whichever one the Broncos choose or whatever Champ chooses, uh, I know he could be able to play both. So uh, it's really up to whatever, really whatever the Broncos choose first and then whatever Champ wants to play. You kind of effortlessly transitioned from a nickel corner uh, to the number one corner playing against teams' top receivers. What what are the nuances there? How are you able to succeed at making that switch? And you made it look easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, last year I played outside, too. I just wasn't uh, always on the prototype guy as I was this year. And I wasn't featured as I was this year. So uh, going to my third season, that was the goal to uh, – I mean, that was a knock that people always had on me, that you never guard the top receiver on the team. So uh, this year I wanted to prove that to people, that I, I did do that. And, uh, uh, I mean, if, if you really watch football and study, uh, every team puts the number one receiver in the slot now. They move them all around the field. So you have to have a guy like me that can uh, cover a receiver everywhere he goes. Now, Richard Sherman made a lot of headlines. He's a corner who likes to speak his mind after the game, uh, at the press yeah. conferences, things like that. I'm not going to ask you about what you think about him personally. What I want to know is he had a really intense rivalry with Michael Crabtree. Is that something that's yeah. common in the NFL? Do you have someone you face in this division that you have a real intense rivalry with? Um, I mean, right now, no. Uh, it's kind of – I mean, maybe you never know. I mean, with the Chargers, you might get a rivalry with Allen, so I think that could grow. But um, – so uh, right now we haven't really had a consistent battles with a lot of guys. So uh, as much as like Crabtree and Sherman, they go out all the time. The Broncos have a lot of young players. They have Vaughn Miller, Terrence Knighton. They have you. Do you consider yourself a building block for this defense? Do you consider yourself a part of a foundation that could really lead the Broncos years down the line? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's just. I mean, a lot of my plays is just off study. A lot that I make is just off uh, intelligence, studying film, and uh, I'm a guy that you know that's always going to be in the lined up in the right spot and be able to help guys get lined up. So that's something that I'm able to do uh, uh, defensively. Uh, I mean, they uh, they always ask what type of defense at all, like the run and stuff like that. So I'm uh, I'm involved a lot. So uh, I definitely see as my see as myself as a definite building block for the team. Have you and Vaughn talked about going through the same struggles this offseason, the ACL injury, the surgery, yeah. and everything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, me and Vaughn chat all the time, and uh, definitely now. 
going through the same thing. I mean, he's definitely, uh, I mean, it's definitely been a growing process. I, I mean, I think he's doing a, he, he's doing great now, and um, I mean, he's working hard to get back out there and uh, prove a lot of their doubters wrong. So next season, I don't know if you've taken a peek at your opponents just yet, but you guys have the NFC West and then the top teams from the AFC. Like, I think you, uh, if you're to match schedule difficulty right now, you have the second most difficult schedule in the yeah. NFL. Uh, when yeah. do you start? When, at what point do you start preparing to face like the NFC West? Is that like a week before thing, or are you guys thinking about it now that you're going to have to deal with Seattle again and the 49ers, the Cardinals? Well, I mean, I mean, those teams. I mean, they're going to see us too, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're juggling that too. So uh, that's the reason. I that's mean, the reason why you guys are the number two most difficult schedule because you don't have to play yourself, basically. <laughs> I mean, every year we got a difficult schedule. I mean, I don't think I've had a easier schedule since I've been here. But, I mean, it seems like every year we got the annual trip to New England. That's going to be definitely be on there. Yeah. Three years in a row, but, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every year since I've been here, i played in New England. So, we know that's going to happen. Well, just keep getting that number one seed, and then they can keep coming to Denver for the playoffs when it matters, right? I mean, that's huge to be able to get that number one seed and, Hopefully, uh, we can get it three years in a row. Who are you hoping that you open up the season against? Are you hoping you can get Seattle in Seattle on Thursday night? Uh, I mean, I mean, that'd definitely be fun. I mean, definitely, uh, uh, you want to play the best up front and be able to get that game over with. And, uh, I'm kind of glad we play. We have the second hundred schedule, so by the time playoff time, uh, I mean, we've played everybody. So, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a huge advantage for us in the playoffs. Chris, any last thoughts for the fans of MileHighReport.com, Broncos fans? Uh, you want to throw a shout-out to anyone? Go ahead and do it. Uh, man, I just want to say thanks, man. I appreciate the articles. And, uh, I mean, I do a great job. And, uh, I, I mean, I try to stay in the media a little bit, but not too much. But every time I come on here and check, uh, y'all always have a great thing to do. Well, we've appreciated you from day one. I think it was last year that you were, what, the, the 64th or the 62nd best player in the NFL, uh, just according yeah. to like, pro football focus grades. You went from undrafted to top 60 player in the NFL in two years. Broncos fans are lucky to have you. We're huge fans of yours. Uh, you're kind of carrying the tradition of Rod Smith being an undrafted great player. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Broncos, so thrilled to have him on the show. Um, he sounds in good spirits. He sounds like he's just kind of relaxing and 
getting ready to be healed in three months. That's amazing. Is that not amazing that you can be off of an ACL injury in this day and age yeah. in three months? And you look at, I mean, look at Adrian Peterson. Came back from torn ACL. Has an incredible season. And um, Chris even mentioned, he didn't mention by name, but he, he mentioned the safety from, where was it, Alabama? Yep. Who three months later is running three cone drills or whatever the heck he's running. You know, I got, I got to pub one of our sister sites, the Philadelphia Eagles blog on SB Nation. I haven't read it yet, but they're doing a series called On the Mend where they're just talking to players and talking to medical experts about what it means to have an ACL injury this time in the NFL. And they published at least one article on it. They've got to catch up with that. So check out Bleeding Green Nation. Check out that uh, series. I know I will be. I want some insight onto what Von Miller and Chris Harris Jr. are going through this offseason. Anyway, what Broncos fans are going through this offseason is a hangover, a Super Bowl hangover. We haven't talked about it. Uh, Super Bowl 48 was absolutely freaking disastrous. 43-8 to 8 was the final score. Uh, you just can't really believe it. Um, I'm in denial still kind of. There's five stages of grief here. I know Jan, Jan, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> that's a big, big silent no, because Jan can't even unmute yeah. his microphone to tell that, you. That, that's either denial or bargaining. <laughs> like, I'll be silent and it won't be true. You know, I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get away from it. I mean, I'm in Denver. The score got taken down quickly, but if you go to – a normal NFL site, that score still kind of hanging around at the top because it's the last game of the season. So, you know, you go to Pro Football Talk and you see the score, 48, as if it happened just a minute ago. Oh, you mean like like the scoreboards on top of the sites, like recent yeah. games. Oh, God. <laughs> I haven't noticed that. If I notice that, I'll throw my laptop across the room. Jeez. <laughs> I, I remember the uh, – you, you probably remember the 49ers Super Bowl. I, I was I was young. I remember it yeah. more out of reading about it than actually being. I, I remember it vaguely. I did this thing right before the NFL Network had a had a package where they played all the Broncos Super Bowls and the one Seahawks Super Bowl. Um, I think maybe the Friday before Super Bowl. So I DVR'd yeah. them all and I watched them, and there were some painful painful losses. The, the Giants' loss was painful, but the the Redskins' loss was especially painful. The Broncos came out. Scored 10 immediately. It looked like they were going to dominate. And in one quarter, the Redskins scored five touchdowns. You know, to, to me, I think this was the worst Super Bowl. Maybe it's just because I'm the most mature and I remember it so vividly. Plus, I was there. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> the, before that, it was the 49ers Super Bowl. That game always stuck out to me. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why. I just This is the worst Super Bowl loss in history. Joe Montana versus John Elway. That was always the, the argument people made. Yeah. yeah. And – Joe Montana, for a while there, left no argument to be had. Yeah. He's definitely the better quarterback. Um, what, what went wrong? What went wrong in Super Bowl 48? Was it just it was, the snowball effect? Was it just the momentum got away from them so badly that it just got out of control like a snowball in hell? I, I got to – I mean, as, as prolific and profound and best season ever as Peyton Manning had – they just—they weren't there. Like the defense was not bad, and, and a lot of people would say, oh, "The defense got to get this, got to get that." No, the defense was good. Defense held that it's team okay. from score. I mean, yeah, garbage time. You're giving up touchdowns. That's okay. The, it, the it's not okay nothing. when you're down to give up touchdowns. Is not okay. Gar- well, garbage time when you're up to give up touchdowns. <laughs> it's okay. Garbage time when you're down. Not okay. You keep they're giving, They give the ball up after the safety. The special teams give the ball up to the 40, 
the defense holds them to a field goal. Next next play or next set of downs, there's a turnover. Pick six was that, no, not yet. So the next next was it also a field goal? So first quarter ends with eight to zero, still within anybody's oh, ball yeah. game. Anybody's game eight to zero. Yeah, totally. They just never got any momentum. They never got any series of first downs. The Seahawks wore out the Broncos' defense. I'll give them that. I'll give I'll give the defense that. The Broncos' offense did them no favors. No first downs, no drives, turnovers, interceptions. Six sixes, yeah. And and even going into halftime, I'm like, you know what? We still got this. I'm oh, like, yeah. We still got this game. And well, 20, 22 to nothing, I think it was. 22 to nothing, but, you know, I mean, we could do that. Oh, yeah. 22, we, to, nothing. 22 to nothing, we were down 25 against the – the Redskins and this defense is nothing compared to the Redskins defense. <laughs> you know, give, no, give the Seahawks a ton of credit. They came out and dominated. They they played their game plan. They said it. They played it exactly like they said they were going to do it. I had a story on Thursday before the Super Bowl that was just a bunch of quotes from Seahawks players who all kind of said the same thing. There were these three kind of keys to the game that they talked about. It was just you know knocking them off the short routes, uh, pressuring Peyton. They were prepared to do it. They had a game plan to do it. They executed it. And I think the Broncos, for one, didn't execute their game plan very well, which was the short passing game, yards after the catch. Obviously, the Seahawks out-executed them there. But then it turns out that was just a bad game plan all along anyway. Yeah, locked down um, Marshawn Lynch. The Broncos had locked down the best running backs in the league. So it wasn't a surprise that they locked down Marshawn Lynch as well. They locked down Sean McCoy. But this was with the lead. Uh, Nate Irving played lights out. Nate Irving yeah, made a touchdown. Especially Marshawn the first Lynch. half. Oh, yeah. The first half, Terrence Knighton played great the whole game. He was. I, I was able to watch Terrence Knighton from directly behind Terrence Knighton. Um, you know, my, my perspective on from game day, if you saw Mile High Report on Instagram or on Twitter that day, uh, we were directly behind the goalposts in the, the auxiliary media area. Uh, that's where I was seated for the Super Bowl, um, you know, which is some people consider like the worst seat in the house, but it's the Super Bowl. Every seat is amazing just because you're there. Um, <laughs> but going behind Terrence Knighton and seeing him dominate double teams from that angle, I grew even more appreciative of Hot Roast. That guy is amazing. You know who uh, had major props for Pot Roast as well was Tom Malin. Tom Malin said he's, he, he – Tom Malin was not a fan of Terrence Knighton in training camp. Tom Malin was calling for Terrence Knighton to be cut in training camp from what he'd seen. And throughout the playoffs, Tom Malin was like, Terrence Knighton's doing things that no other nose tackle does in the NFL. He's doing moves. He's doing things to get across you know, two blockers that, that people just can't do. And this is Tom Malin. Tom Malin arguably – you know, is a, a Hall of Fame center. He is in my book. He's a rock, Ring of Fame center, and he should be a Hall of Fame center. Um, and to me, I, I think he's absolutely right. I think Terrence Knighton surprised me. He played amazingly the last seven games of this season, really, uh, including the postseason. And if he can keep that up, the Broncos won't be able to afford him. He, you know, his rep said he outplayed his contract. He certainly did for the second half of the season. Uh, the first half, he was still very good. He just wasn't that same echelon of top three player in the NFL kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was <laughs> I, I can't think of three defensive tackles I would take above Terrence Knighton in the NFL as far as the Terrence Knighton of 2013, the second half of 2013 goes. I mean, Ndamukong Su 
is yeah. the only other guy I can think of right now. Uh, Brandon Mebain of the Seahawks is very good, but I, I would take Terrence Knighton over him. Yeah. Yeah. Age, um, you know, Terrence Knighton's gonna be, not going to be $10 million. He's not getting the, the – he's going to eat the cap number that Nam Kung Su is. Um, yeah, pay him. He's, you know, you got – what I would do, being that him and Chad Bailey have the same agent, I would go for <laughs> – Give you know, give the money to Terrence Knight and, and be like, hey, do us a favor on Champ <laughs> Um I'm going to mention five names to you, and you, and and I'll tell you what bothers me about the Super Bowl after. But tell me what 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 you think. Had we had Vaughn Miller, Chris Harris, um, Kevin Dickerson, Derek Wolf, Raheem Moore, had we had those guys, is the Super Bowl any different? Uh, not really. The Super, that's, that's, the, the Super Bowl was a loss not because of the defense. The Super Bowl was a loss because the Seahawks defense dominated the Broncos offense. Maybe if we had um, game plan better and Max protected Peyton Manning a little bit more, I had no Sean Marino, Monte Ball, block more than I think six times the entire game. I think that's what I, I counted. Six, six, six blocks, six chip blocks, six whatever from our running backs who are pretty good at pass protection was all we got. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to fact check that number. It might have been – it was less than 10, though. So yeah. out of 40-something passes, uh, the game plan was not there. They were spread out wide, four wide receiver sets. They needed to just have two wide receivers and two tight end sets protect Peyton Manning. He can get the ball to these yeah. guys. Well, I mean, beyond that, you had – no Sean Moreno was averaging 3.2 yards at halftime. When you're averaging 3.2 yards, you're not – blowing up the field, but like, you know, 3.2 yards per carry will get you a first down every four downs and control of the ball game. <laughs> nah, so, that's not good enough. That's, that's, that, that's a good job by the CFD events in my book. The Broncos only ran it like 10 times the whole game, so that average was out of like five carries. Well, yeah, when you're down 2 to zero, you're not running the ball a lot. But, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems like we were off something and it was on offense and it can't all be put on Peyton Manning's shoulders, but we've seen Peyton Manning win games on his own. He was just not not all there. Or maybe be having the focus of eleven guys completely on you. But what in what game wasn't the focus completely on Peyton Manning? No I one just got to give the Seahawks credit. I can't even do the what ifs anymore. I got to give the Seahawks credit, and I got to. I, I just uh, I had a conversation with my girlfriend the other day. I told her if the Broncos lose this game, I'm going to be very depressed all off season. And we were following up on that. I'm like, I'm not depressed, obviously. I don't let it consume my life. But I will tell you this. I would have been in a better mood every single day this offseason <laughs> had we won the Super Bowl. But I am just waking up knowing you won the Super Bowl matters. It, it makes a difference. It just does. And knowing that you got trounced, you're just – I'm dying for September already. This is – the offseason goes fast. The NFL does a great job spreading out all the news. We'll have news for you all offseason long. Stick, stick around to Mile High Report. But man, I can't wait for football. Yeah, I guarantee you this is going to be the longest off season of your life. Uh, I don't know. I think last year was. I think this will be shorter than last year. Last, I, mean, last year I mean, literally and figuratively. Yeah, last year a lot of fans. Uh, I think a lot of fans felt worse about the Baltimore game. I I don't know. I I, I found myself during the Super Bowl just kind of crossing my fingers, being like, please don't be the worst Super Bowl loss in history. Like we already have one. I'm just glad we didn't get shut out. We had like we have 20 years without getting shut out at all. If we'd gotten shut out in the Super Bowl, that would have just been like, oh my goodness. Yeah, and it was just like once we got near the goal line, score a touchdown, go for two, get two. 
like we can do this. What? Uh, we, we can talk about. We can be done talking about the Super Bowl for the rest of the. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure year. we'll bring it up at, at times, but this is a great episode 25 of the MHR Radio podcast. I'd say we had this number 25 of the Broncos talk some free agency, talk some Super Bowl, and you know what? I think we'll have one more episode this season before the league year turns over on March 11th, and we bust out MHR Radio Season 3. And that'll be – so after the 26th, we got to get Raheem Moore or Bobby Humphrey, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Humphrey. <laughs> so what are, you, what are you watching on television now, Kyle, that the Broncos are over? You got Breaking Bad and the Broncos are done. Like, where are you? Um, no, Half of Cards came out on Netflix recently. I'm almost done with season two. I've got two episodes left. It was actually hard for me to turn off a couple hours ago. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I can finish House of Cards right now. But then, like, I, that would have been a nightmare trying to get ready for this podcast five, <laughs> with five minutes after watching whatever happens at the end of this show. So I'll, I'll finish that tonight, actually. I'm going to hang up this podcast and watch a couple <laughs> episodes, do some blogging and do that. And then also uh, HBO's True Detective. Um, yeah, what a fantastic yeah. show! It's only what like eight episodes total, and we've gotten five way five through. So we only have three more episodes to talk about it. We'll have to talk about it next next episode. Yeah, we'll bring it up. That's a, definitely a, a good good show, uh, and I got a lot of inside information that won't ruin the series for you if you haven't seen it, but it would add to it if you have. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Is Cole guilty? What? What inside information do you have? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and then Game of Thrones. No, I still, I still haven't started it. No talking about Game of Thrones. And then everybody died. No. Um, well, I know that. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I, I'm aware of that. Same thing, you, same thing can be said for House of Cards. <laughs> Jan, do you need to be caught up on Game of Thrones too? Yeah, I need to get caught up to Game of you know, Jan's she, alive? Yeah. yeah. I'm depressed, but I'm alive, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about the Super Bowl, Jan. If I could have changed the score for you, I would have. For you. Oh, my God. The only thing worse than being a Broncos fan following the Super Bowl would be a Broncos fan following the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl because those guys had a three-hour commute to get back into the city. <laughs> the New Jersey Transit, which is, was not on the ball. it and i'm sorry for the people who got sick um but we'll do better next time but i don't think anybody was surprised by that it's new york you, you know you know what to expect right yeah no anytime there's like a uh i won't talk about the big tragedies in new york but talk about the less, lesser tragedies in new york it seems like there's a group of people who pass out the train stops anyway because people are passing out like that's the number one cause of train stoppage is is someone who hasn't eaten that day passes out on the way to work so it's not that abnormal of a thing. Anyway, um, that was a random thing to end the conversation. Let's talk about something bright. Uh, Let's just keep is- this train rolling all off season long. We'll just segue it that way. Go Broncos. Go MHR Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, have a great night. And let's get ready for free agency next episode around. Yeah.